Hello everyone, Tom Kislingbury here. I host the Read and React podcast along with Sticky Z. We talk about all aspects of leagues that use individual defensive players, including player value, projecting performance, training camp battles, scouting, and lots of statistics. IDP can be off-putting to those of you who haven't done it before, but it's really not that difficult. After all, even an Englishman can manage it, so you should be fine. So if you already play IDP, you're looking for a new fancy challenge, or if you just love football, come and give us a try. Cheers! Listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off season. Welcome back to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Price. Once again, this week, joined by Ryan McDowell and Dan Myler. Uh, real quick off the top, guys, we have one more week left, I believe, right, Dan, before we determine the three new Listener League members. Again, the way you can get in on that, or at least get a lottery ticket to get a chance to get into it, is to follow all three of the hosts. You can follow Ryan at RyanMC23, Dan at DMyler22, myself at MattPriceFF. Retweet the pinned tweet on the at DLF podcast uh, Twitter handle. And uh, you'll get a random draw to get a chance to get into the DLF Listener League, which is a best ball league, relegation league. Every year, the bottom three scorers uh, get kicked out of the league, and we get three new ones. All right, so this week, fellas, we're going to do the uh, AFC and the NFC North and wrap up this cash stash or future trash little segment we did over the last month or so. And we're going to start in the AFC this week with the Baltimore Ravens. Ryan Marquise Brown, first pick. Or sorry, first round, 25th pick, wide receiver, Oklahoma, 5'9", 170. Kind of been creeping up the, the ADP board a little bit, if I'm not mistaken. I know I've drafted him a lot more than I thought I was going to, just based on the draft capital, the talent, and, and where you can get him in drafts. What do you think about Marquise Brown? Is he cash? I'm not ready to call him cash. Uh, and, and obviously, it's because of the quarterback situation there. And we just need to see, or at least I need to see, Lamar Jackson improve as a passer in the league before I'm ready to really count on any of his his pass catchers, especially a guy like Marquise Brown, who already has some questions. He comes into the league undersized and, and with this recent injury. He's an exciting player, of course, that, that vertical threat. Uh, and, and you're right, he has been creeping up ADP. He's up to 13 overall, which is really interesting. I, I was actually looking at some of the Startup ADP, he's the ninth rookie wide receiver being drafted in our startup ADP. Obviously, as you said, uh, he was the first wide receiver drafted in the NFL draft. I looked back at all of our history of startup ADP for the month after the NFL draft, and the, the top wide receiver taken almost always has been the first receiver taken in, in those uh, fantasy startup drafts. Corey Coleman was was the third. Sammy Watkins was second. All the others, DJ Moore, Corey Davis, Amari Cooper, even Tavon Austin, were the first rookie wide receivers drafted. And then Marquise Brown is way down there at number nine. It's it's really just hard to, I don't know. It, it, it's it, it it's hard to I, I guess make that adjustment with the questions that he has and the questions that the Ravens' offense has with with where he was drafted in that draft capital. Yeah, those questions are 
aren't going to be answered for a while either. It's not like Lamar Jackson is going to suddenly become that that accurate passer that we all hope he can someday be, especially downfield to a target like Marquise Brown. Uh, hopefully they get on the same page and everything everything goes smoothly from the get-go, but I don't think dynasty owners out there are are expecting anything close to that. I certainly am not. Most of us saw that as an awful landing spot for any wide receiver, particularly a deep threat guy, and and I'm certainly one of those kind of guys as well. I'm, I'm actually surprised he's going at 13. Matt, you mentioned that you're getting him in places. I see more than 13 players that I would take over Marquise Brown. That MFL ADP of all, all rookie drafts suggests that he's going right at the top of round two, but I can find other guys that I'd rather have there. That's fair. I just, uh, you know, go back to, I'm not necessarily team draft capital, but I feel like they drafted him with for a reason to use him. I am afraid of that Liz Frank injury for, especially for a guy that relies on his speed and quickness. Um, but you know, uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a gamble, but it's, but when you're, when you're picking down towards the bottom end of the draft, it's kind of hard to find that upside. I think that you can get with Marquise Brown down there. And I do believe in Lamar Jackson. So I guess a little bit more, become a little bit more risk averse uh, for uh, Marquise Brown there. Uh, they took another receiver, Dan, at, in the third round, the 29th pick, Miles Boykin, wide receiver, Notre Dame, 6'4", 220, kind of more of that, you know, that, that prototypical alpha receiver that uh, maybe Lamar Jackson can use, but probably the same concerns for him, yeah? Yeah, same concerns, exact concerns, and it's interesting. Brown is the first pick, according to ADP, in the second round. Miles Boykin is at 25, so he's the first pick in the third round, according to MFL ADP. Um, This was a big need for the Ravens, whether they're going to focus on the position and, and, you know, try their best to get the ball to the wide receiver, no matter what their intentions were, wide receiver was a huge need. And and that was shown with the, with the two picks in the first three rounds getting wide outs. I, I liked Boykin a little bit coming in, but just like with Brown, I feel like that landing spot hurt his value um, because of that 40-yard dash that he ran at the at the combine and, and the vertical jump that he posted and things like that. I, I think there was some hype, the, some buzz. Some I, I think he was probably moving up dynasty draft boards, but landing in Baltimore with that quarterback in that offense that likes to spread it around and pound the ball, um, it just – it doesn't doesn't translate for me. Again, I can find 25, 26, 27 guys I want more than Miles Boykin, and I was relatively high on him before the landing spot. That certainly adjusted how I feel about him going forward. So Boykin was the guy who in February pre-combine when we did our first set of rookie mock drafts to form ADP, he was outside of the top 50. So even though he played at Notre Dame, he was he was essentially the, off the board for most dynasty players that at least the ones that were participating in our ten rookie mocks that month. And and Dan, you you mentioned that forty time he ran, he had a good overall combine, and and that really boosted his his fantasy stock. And then again, that kind of gets counteracted by the Baltimore landing spot. Boykin is a guy who who just he really should have been able to to dominate at Notre Dame and he never did Um, maybe that's because of some poor quarterback play that they had Uh, Boykin is is known as a a guy who struggles with his route running and then when you factor in an inaccurate quarterback like Lamar Jackson those two things are not going to mesh well a guy who 
can't run precise routes and a quarterback who can't throw the ball to a certain spot. I'm not spending a, that early third rounder on Boykin either. Yeah, I'll agree with you guys there. Those guys are both stashes for me, I think. Yeah. You know, depending on the depending on the injuries hit situation with Brown, I think he might be closer to a little, a little bit closer to cash than Boykin for me, but definitely boy both wait wait and see kind of prospects. Another guy that is, you know, might actually be a cash this year if the if the running back uh, backfield there for the Baltimore Ravens kind of breaks out his way is Justice Hill. The fourth round, uh, 5'10", 198 guy, uh, just a really dangerous space player and a nice compliment to, to what Mark Ingram's going to do there between the tackles. Of course, Kenneth Dixon is still kind of hanging around back there, but I think Hill is, is definitely the more exciting player of the two there. So uh, he's a borderline, borderline stash cash for me, Ryan. I agree, and, and I'm ready to call him cash. Uh, I've heard a lot of people make the comparison, and, and I would make it as well that He'll serve that Alvin Kamara role to Mark Ingram that we saw in New Orleans. And, of course, I don't think anybody is expecting Alvin Kamara-level production. Uh, I don't think he's, he's as, as athletic as Kamara, but uh, he, he's got the speed, the vision, solid agility as, as a runner. He can, break, uh, he can make that breakaway play. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about Hill. He's been one of the players I've been drafting uh, the most in that late second round range in my own rookie drafts. Yeah, he has an ADP of 20 in according to the MFL data that we have at at DLF and that seems like a bargain for me. He's he's cash for me as well, Matt. I, as Ryan mentioned, the shiftiness and the open field elusiveness, that spin move is is one of the better ones we've seen in the last few years out of of prospects coming into the league. So, I'm really excited about Hill. I'm I'm certainly willing to use a second round pick really almost anywhere in the second round uh we we were talking about brown being the being the 13th pick according to adp and now we see hill at 20 i'd rather have hill just straight up to be honest with you that offense is a ground and pound offense they want to get the ball in their running backs hands uh whether it be through the air or on the ground and justice hill is gonna mix nicely with mark ingram Uh, like you ryan i'm not sure that he's Alvin Kamara, but he's going to play a role similar to that. He's so shifty, and and like I said, that spin move, I think there's a lot of touches in that offense for Justice Hill, and he could be one of the better rookies this year for Dynasty owners everywhere. And in the sixth round, they took Trace Masorley, quarterback, Penn State, six foot two hundred two, more of an athlete, not really a NFL in terms of NFL quarterback in terms of his passing ability. You know, there's been rumors that they might use him like uh, uh, Taysom Hill down in New Orleans. So I guess it makes sense as Lamar Jackson's back up if you want some continuity in that offense. But uh, probably, probably nothing here. Probably trash, right, Dan? Yeah, unless you're in the absolute deepest league. Uh, I love McSorley. He was fun to watch at Penn State, just a grinder and worked hard, and, and that's that's all good stuff, but it doesn't always translate to the NFL. I hope he finds a role because he is electrifying and, and a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, he seems like a guy that probably would benefit from a position change. I think that was, uh, that was probably mentioned at the Combine uh, with him. But one thing I really like that the Ravens are doing here with – with both RG3 as their primary backup and then McSorley as their their rookie that they're taking a chance on, they're basically bringing in a, a trio of guys who all do the same thing. And we see a lot of times the backup uh, might be 
uh, it might have a very different style, you know, maybe a traditional pocket passer as a backup and then uh, a guy like Lamar Jackson or uh, Deshaun Watson or whoever is your starter. And then if those guys go down, your entire offense has to change. And if Jackson were to get hurt, uh, or, or even if we had to get down to the McSorley level, that doesn't have to happen. That wouldn't need to happen because uh, these, these guys all play similar styles with the ability to, to tuck the ball and run. Yeah, if nothing else, I mean, you know, they could go back to what they were doing last year with Lamar Jackson. I think the offense is going to evolve a little bit, but if they had to go back and have the quarterback run 27 times in a game, I guess McSorley is the guy to do that. Uh, UDFAs, anything here, guys? Anything you see on this short list for the, for the Ravens that you want to talk about? Yeah, I think Jalen Smith is, is interesting. This is a guy who a lot of people thought would uh, leave Louisville with Lamar Jackson uh, a year ago. He ended up opting to stay and... and uh, unfortunately, that was a poor decision. He really struggled in uh, in his final year at Louisville without Jackson. Didn't even get drafted this time last year. He was he was a player that Devi Devi owners were were chasing in their drafts, and, and a guy v- viewed as uh, having a pretty high upside. So I think now, obviously paired back with Jackson, uh, th- those two have had success, and um, even with Brown and Boykin, this is a, a depth chart that that needs all the, uh, all the receivers it can get. So uh, Smith is a guy I would, I would be taking a chance on for sure. Yeah, Smith's a guy I'd be willing to take a sh- chance on uh, when, if he's free, of course. Wesley, Antoine Wesley, is another guy that catches everything that looked like he was going to develop into something really good, potentially at Texas Tech, but was always playing behind those other receivers, uh, guys that we've seen come out here in the last couple years, including – Kiki Cutie and another guy, I'm, I'm forgetting who it is, but uh, he's a real tall guy that can go up and get it and catches everything and and you know has some kind of potential potentially down the down the road. I don't know if he'll ever get it. I, I was excited about him just like those other receivers uh, until he landed in Baltimore. I thought maybe if he was a UDFA going somewhere with a quarterback that could get him the ball and had a little bit of need, there was a chance down the road. But in Baltimore, he's got a long road to hold. Over to Cincinnati, a little bit of a – I mean, they spent four picks on, on players we should care about, but kind of an uninspiring draft class at the top. Drew Sample, tight end Washington, 6'5", 255. In the second round for a blocking tight end, uh, seems a little bit weird. Uh, I guess he can catch some passes. I, I saw a note that he, he didn't catch – he didn't drop a single pass uh, last year. I mean, I guess that's something. <laughs> 25 receptions. Uh, 252 yards, three touchdowns. I don't really think there's anything here, though, Dan. Trash for me. The best thing you said there was blocking tight end. The second round, all <laughs> the other stuff is trash, really. Uh, blocking tight end, he's a he's an offensive tackle that, that wears an 80s number. And it's it's just frustrating to, to look at this Bengals draft. I mean, this Drew Sample is a guy they probably could have taken a couple of rounds later, maybe. And, and they take him, they spend their second round pick on him. And I've heard the argument from from others that this is a second-round tight end. He was the, uh, I think he was the fourth tight end drafted. This is a guy we should pay attention to. I just, I mean, to me, that all gets discounted by who, who drafted him. You know, just because a, a random owner in a fantasy league makes a player a second-round pick doesn't mean it was a good pick or that that player is going to be good. <laughs> this, is, this is a team that we can't trust to make good draft picks. So just because they take Drew Sample in the second does not mean we should pay attention to him. It's 
it, it's frustrating. And the fourth round, second pick, Ryan Finley, quarterback, North Carolina State, 6'4", 13, kind of an extension of the coach kind of quarterback. I guess you can kind of compare him again if we're looking for offensive continuity. He's, he's kind of like Andy Dalton a little bit. So maybe if they find out he can do the same thing Andy Dalton can do, you know, they, can, they can have that a lot cheaper with Ryan Finley. Ryan? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and and he, he's probably not too far off Andy Dalton, honestly. He's, he's not much younger than Andy Dalton. I know that. I think he's going to be a... <laughs> 24 25 year old rookie um this this just does not seem like the guy that's the quarterback of the future i can't imagine that they would dump andy dalton uh you know before this season but it's almost a a foregone conclusion that this will be his last season there they're probably going to be picking in the top 10 next year and there's a a handful of quarterbacks that could be potentially drafted there. So I'm just kind of going under the assumption that they'll be drafting their, uh, their future QB one, their future starting quarterback uh, in the 2020 draft. And I'm not really bothering with Ryan Finley, even in super flex drafts. No, I wasn't bothering with Finley at all either. And and I honestly, I think if he became Andy Dalton, that'd be a huge surprise to me. He's not the same type of player. Um, and, and Dalton was drafted early in the second round. Finley slipped into the fourth round. I think career backup is a best-case scenario for him, even in the deepest two-quarterback leagues. I think you can do better with any pick uh, than, than taking a shot on Ryan Finley. Even Drew Sample? I'd rather have <laughs> Drew Sample. Oh, goodness. Uh, they follow that up in the sixth round. Ninth pick with Travion Williams, running back Texas A&M, 5'8", 206. Kind of receiving back. Maybe you can think of him as a Gio Bernard replacement. Dan, uh, I don't know. It, it seems like it's going to be pretty far-fetched for him to have much value. He's, he's borderline trash for me. Yeah, he's borderline trash. There, There is a window, maybe. Maybe he gets that role at some point. But the problem is it's murky water. You already have an elite or at least very, very good uh, running back at the top of the depth chart. And there's other young guys on the roster. We're going to talk about one of them here shortly. So, you know, best case scenario, he's a pass catcher that comes in on third downs. He's going to have to um, pl- play special teams and, you know, maybe become that that change of pace type guy it's probably a long shot he's a fourth round pick according to mfl adp for for dynasty leagues so it's not like you're investing a lot if you're talking about taking a shot in the fourth round and you have the last guy in your roster there's probably worse picks than travion williams including those first two that cincinnati took that we just talked about so i guess we'll we'll slot him right above sample and and way ahead of finley in our in our wish list ryan I like him a little more than that. I actually liked him quite a bit heading into the draft. So I was I was disappointed both by how far he fell in the draft and, uh, of course, the landing spot. I do think he's potentially a Gio Bernard replacement in 2020. Bernard's in the last year of his contract, and I'd, I'd be very surprised if he were to stick around in Cincinnati. Uh, so I, I think Williams has a little more upside, and I'm actually surprised to see him going – uh, in in rookie drafts being drafted after uh, the other player that they took here. 
Yeah, Rodney Anderson, running back Oklahoma, also taken in the sixth round, six foot two, twenty-four. Had had one really good season and really has just struggled with injuries since then. I, I guess if you think that you know Travion's kind of like the the geo replacement, maybe Rodney Anderson is the backup to to Joe Mixon. I've seen some people out there putting out that you know well, you got to be careful with all these character guys, and we know Mixon has his off the field issues, and if if you know if his pops up, then maybe Anderson is the guy. But I think that's a that's that's a kind of a silly game to play for me. You can't predict any of that stuff. I'm not gonna. Go there. I, I have taken a few shots on him in the fourth round. I think I would probably rather have him than Travion, uh, but for the most part, he's got a long, long road to get to any significant play time, Ryan. Yeah, Anderson has the the injury uh, issues that we we know about, multiple serious injuries, including uh, the one that ended his his final year. But he also has some off field uh, dings on on his resume. So um, that's you know, if we're going to talk about Mixon, he's he's kind of <laughs> I don't want to say in that same category, but he's had his issues as well. Um, I know he was he was a guy that a lot of people were calling the most talented back in the class. And uh, another one that even though I, I haven't necessarily been a, a fan of his, uh, many people expected him to go much higher than this. So, uh, again, really surprised he fell that far. And uh, in that way, it looks like the Bengals got uh, – got a steal on both of these guys, but then you look at what they already have there and, and so many of the other needs that they have on their roster. And again, you just kind of wonder what they're doing. I think the thing that jumps off the page to me with Rodney Anderson is he's not trustworthy at all. You can't trust him to finish a season. In fact, I, I don't think he, you can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he did it in college and, and he did have that one big season, but I think even that year ended with a season ending injury and, and not, not of the small kind or anything like that. Anderson's really, uh, really good between the tackles. He's fun to watch, and and you can see that upside that all these draft nicks were were talking about in the weeks leading up to the draft. I, I was surprised as well that he fell so far in the draft and. Had he landed in a one of the top landing spots for a running back in the draft, maybe we'd be talking a little bit differently and not about a guy that's picked late in the third round in rookie drafts. I'm I'm willing to take a shot at him. I don't know if he fits in necessarily in the in the third round for me, but if he lasts out to, outside the top 36 or maybe even top 40, he's a guy I'm I'm willing to put on my roster as the end of the bench kind of guy, a guy that, you know, if he gets an opportunity, if Mixon goes down with an injury, he could fill in pretty well for short spurts. I just don't think it's it's going to happen. He's never going to be the guy in an offense because like I said, he's not trustworthy. And uh, UDFA, Stanley Morgan jumps out for me, uh, Matt Waldman guy, uh, kind of a tough, maybe a slot, maybe a little bit more than a slot receiver, but good hands, run good routes, uh, only guy for here for me, anyone else? Yeah, he's the only guy worth talking about, he's he's really good over the middle, that's why everybody thinks he's a slot guy, but he does that from the outside as well, he makes tough catches, goes up and gets them, even in traffic, I think there's some potential down the road for him. If if you have a taxi squad spot, Stanley Morgan's the kind of guy that you want to wait and see, and, and he's a stash for me. I agree on on stashing Morgan. Uh, of of all the players that went undrafted, he was, uh, I guess he was the one I was not quite the most surprised. We're going to get to that guy later uh, in the show, but was really surprised that Morgan didn't get drafted, especially uh, after – uh, some of the hype seemed to be building up on him. So again, with this, um, 
with this depth chart, I think they need as many weapons as they as they can get. And uh, Morgan is a guy down the road, long term probably, uh, who could could play a role for that team. So, yep, another stash vote for for Morgan. Cleveland Browns, super easy. They drafted nobody that we care about. Uh, some UDFAs <laughs> here. None of them really stick out for me either. How about you guys? No, not really. And and honestly, I'm glad they didn't draft any of those yeah. players. Any of those players that we like. Uh, you look at that that depth chart with the moves they've made this offseason to bring in some some big names at running back and uh, and wide receiver. We don't want any of our prized rookies landing there, at least for a couple of years. All right, we'll move on to the Steelers then. Dan, Deontay Johnson, wide receiver, Toledo, 5'10", 183, 302. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they get wide receivers right, so another fun, undersized guy that, uh, you know, it looks like the fourth option right now based on this year's depth chart, but, you know, Moncrief may not be long for this, and, and, and uh, uh, Washington may be better suited outside, so Johnson could take over that slot role. Uh, long term, of course, Juju plays there as well, but interesting prospect nonetheless. Uh, definitely a stash for me. Yeah, definitely a stash because he's a, he's a playmaker, and, and maybe his potential as a rookie or early in his career is as a returner. That's something that he did well in college, and, and I think he'll get his opportunity in Pittsburgh. A lot of times in Pittsburgh, those wide receivers, you know, we, we get so excited about these guys that they can develop these guys, and, and those guys all, Juju was one of them, Antonio Brown was one of them, those guys that um, make a contribution on special teams and then take that game to the to the offensive side of the ball. So I, I really like his talent and thinks think he's – his suddenness and change of direction is something that the Steelers will use. It's definitely a stash thing though, because there's just not room for him to make that kind of impact as a rookie. He's a guy that you're looking at down the road, making, making an impact for you. And at the end of the second round, early third round, uh, not too bad of a lottery ticket. Yeah, I totally agree. A, a stash for me, uh, but not a, not a reluctant stash or, or a player I'm necessarily unsure of, just a player who I think we have to be patient with. I talked to Matt Williamson uh, on my other podcast about Johnson. Of course, he covers the Steelers there locally, and he had some some great things to say, but did basically say that. It, it might be a year, maybe even two years before he uh, he really gets to show off what he can do. But yeah, I agree with Dan in that early third round range, late second round, Johnson's worth a, a spot. You know, the, the only thing I'll say is I, I do think he's not – there's very little chance he's going to make an impact in year one, but that's a lot of targets that Antonio Brown left away. Juju was already up in the high 160s, so, you know, unless you're going to target uh, project him for 200 targets, which I, I guess could happen, you know, there's a lot of targets to go around between those other guys. So there's a chance. Uh, next guy, we'll go back to you, Ryan. Benny Snell, uh, you, know the, you know the deal with him. A tough inside runner, nice jump cut, uh, patient behind the blockers. Uh, not a whole lot of – going to offer a whole lot in the receiving game, really. But uh, he feels like a Steelers running back, and, and James Conner is somebody that I've been a little bit skeptical about in terms of where he's being valued right now in Dynasty. So there's certainly a chance that Snell could, could do something in year one. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you said there, uh, especially your – uh, concerned about Connor as being valued as an elite asset. I'm I'm just not ready to go there yet. I'm I'm not sure the Steelers are either. Uh, I think they they leaned on Connor last year a little bit out of necessity with with the Bell holdout. They didn't really have any other options. Uh, they've got Jalen Samuels now. They bring in Snell. Now they do have options. They made some some coaching changes that potentially 
favor Jalen Samuels there. As far as Snell, yeah, everything you said is is the case. Not not a speed guy, not a guy that's going to wow us with his athleticism. I, I do think uh, I, I think he's going to be able to uh, to catch the ball more than more than he did at Kentucky. Just didn't really get much of an opportunity to do that. So uh, they they may not need him to do that in in Pittsburgh either. But I think he he could. Uh, he's falling outside of the top thirty and in dynasty rookie drafts. I love him at that value. Obviously a, a little bit of blue tint in my glasses when I look at Snell, uh, but uh, love the value on him. At this point, he, we have to call him a stash. Yeah, I don't have any blue tint in my glasses when I watch Snell, and, and I like him just as much as you do. And not, I liked him a little bit coming into the draft, and I think we talked about it here on the podcast, but when, when you... When you hear somebody talk about Snell, you you always hear him say he's a between the tackles thumper. He grinds out yardage, and you know doesn't have that elusiveness or the acceleration that you desire. But those are things that they said about James Conner coming out of college, and those are things that they said about Le'Veon Bell. And I, I believe both of them. And I honestly I trust Pittsburgh's front office to draft quality NFL running backs that can contribute and make an impact both as a between the tackles guy and as a pass catcher and on the on the edge on the perimeter. So I think Snell fits right in with that group and there's potential for him to make the same kind of impact that other Steelers running backs have in the past. So I'm, I'm not going to say he's Le'Veon Bell or anything, but he certainly has the upside to make an impact. So if I wasn't in, in so many leagues with Ryan, I'd have him on more teams. Uh, third round ADP for a Steelers running back drafted in the fourth round. That's good enough for me. I'll take him in the third round. In the fifth round, the Steelers get their blocking tight end. So you can see a little bit of the difference there between the Bengals and the and the Steelers. They got Gentry in the fifth uh, versus Sample in the second. So uh, going to be a similar story with him in terms of fantasy. We're not really that interested. He is six foot eight, so that's that's kind of fun, I guess. But he's going to be more of a blocker. And if Vance McDonald, as long as he's healthy, he's going to be the receiving tight end there. And probably Jalen Smith filling in a little bit too before Gentry would get a shot. Uh, unless you guys have something, we can move on. Trash. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't need to use a pick on, on Zach Gentry for sure, but um, when I saw his, his size, I, I assumed he was only a blocking tight end. Michigan did try to use him a little bit in the passing game, especially uh, getting him outside down the uh, down the sideline. So, you know, maybe maybe a little bit uh, of some upside there, but yeah, he's pretty, pretty buried and certainly not worth a, a dynasty uh, rookie pick. I should mention he had 514 yards last year. So, I mean, that's that's pretty good for a blocking tight end, I guess. <laughs> uh, UDFA is nothing here for me. Any, how about you guys? Yep, that's what I thought. Let's move on to the NFC North, Chicago Bears, 3-9. We know the story here. David Montgomery running back Iowa State, 5-10-222. I'm pretty excited about him. A little bit, maybe a little less excited than some. Uh, I, I think Tariq Cohen is still going to you know, take a bunch of the passing game work away, but Montgomery certainly profiles as that three-down back. And it may be the reverse. Maybe it's Montgomery that's taken too much work from Cohen. Who, and Honestly, I think Cohen is maybe one of the most overvalued players in Dynasty right now, Ryan. Yeah, I totally agree. I love I love watching Cohen uh, play and and just uh, some of the things he can do on the field. So it's a little um, I don't know. I guess a little disappointing that he may not 
get the work that he has the past couple of years, but I, I do think that's going to be the case. The narrative that is out there is that the coaching staff uh, basically felt like their hand was being tipped last year. Uh, if Howard was in the game, they're running the ball. If Cohen's in the game, they're passing the ball. That that seems pretty obvious uh, to, to, to every onlooker. So um, the, the idea is that Montgomery will give them some flexibility to to basically hide the play and, and not be so obvious in their uh, in their play calling. Uh, right now he's going four overall. I agree with you. I'm not quite as high on him as as others. He'd, he'd probably be closer to the middle of the round for me, but I do think we can expect some uh, some short-term production from him. Yeah, short-term is the, is the key there. Um, they drafted him high, of course, in the third round, and, and they, I believe, if I remember right, they traded up to get him. So it was... It was a necessity or it was a big want for that front office to get that replacement for the big running back, the guy that can uh, both go between the tackles and then also mix in as a pass catcher. And Montgomery checks all those boxes. He doesn't have the straightaway speed, the pullaway speed that a lot of running backs that that we have big expectations for uh, have had here in the last few years. So I think a lot of dynasty owners that maybe didn't watch him all that much in college have the expectation that he's this big playmaker or that, that he can do a little bit of everything as well as uh, uh, make the big play. And, and that wasn't something that he did at Iowa State. So I, I think Ryan said it well there. Um, short-term option, it seems like maybe Chicago is looking for a hole filler. Um, maybe they get more than that with David Montgomery. He probably belongs in the four or five range. I currently have him in the, in, in the five spot in my rankings. So if, if I were going to get him, he'd have to slide a little bit, and I don't see him sliding down to five and six all that often. Yeah, he's in the six, seven area for me, so I'm, I'm not going to have a lot of him either. Dan, we'll go right back to you with Riley Ridley, uh, wide receiver, Georgia 6'1", 199. He's going to be the possession wide receiver, but in that Chicago offense, I don't really see a lot of volume for him there. He didn't get a lot of volume at Georgia either, so I don't know. I guess he's a stash, but I'm not super excited about him. Yeah, he's a stash, and, and I do have that reputation as being the Riley Ridley guy just because I was the Kelvin Ridley guy, and they're not the same player. They're... They're very different, but they do have some similarities. They're both strong route runners and very physical at the top of their routes and can use their hands well to create a little bit of separation. Riley just doesn't do it as well as Calvin, though. And, and although he is, he should be considered a good route runner, he's not an elite one like his big brother. So the, the landing spot certainly doesn't help him either. Another team that spreads the ball out and plays multiple wide receivers, he's going to have to work for his opportunities both as a route runner and and as a pass catcher, he's he's not he's simply not going to get seven, eight, nine looks every single game, which is what a guy like him would need. So I'm not all that high on on the landing spot for him. Maybe that offense has changes over the next couple of years and becomes more pass heavy, and Trubisky becomes uh, more reliable. I guess um, he's he's a he's a good quarterback, and Ridley is is maybe a good wide receiver, but that doesn't doesn't necessarily add up to a, a big-time dynasty asset for us. He's an end-of-the-third-round guy, according to ADP. He's an end-of-the-third-round guy, according to my rankings as well, so he fits in well there. If he slips to the end of the third and I have a pick, I'd be happy to take him, but he's certainly a stash and not a guy that you have big expectations for this season. 
Yeah, I would actually just go ahead and put him in the trash category. <laughs> he, no, probably no surprise there. He, he didn't produce in college. I don't know why we expect him to produce now. Pretty pretty much as simple as that. I think they uh, way overdrafted him, uh, and I'm not even sure he's the best rookie wide receiver on the roster. Yeah. Kareth White, seventh-round running back pick from Florida Atlanta, a teammate of Devin Singletary. He's all about the speed. You know, we saw seven, uh, Singletary's disappointing combine. White, here at his pro day, ran a 4.3740, so a little bit of a, a juxtaposition there. You know, it, it seems like they're prioritizing running back in this draft with, with both picks here. So he's probably a depth player, probably going to be future trash. But, you know, maybe if, if Cohen gets hurt, he can find his way onto the field in that, in that kind of quicker, like, joystick roll or whatever we're calling to go in these days, Dan. Yeah. One cut and then hit, hit the highest gear and, and go. And he scored a lot of touchdowns in college on not a lot of carries or touches. So there is the potential that he could develop into that Cohen backup or maybe even Cohen replacement down the road. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to hold my breath for anything like that, but when you mention that speed and, and then just watch him for just a blink, cause that's all it'll take for him to be out of the frame. Uh, you, it's easy to be impressed with, with him. So a guy that is certainly on the radar, probably future trash, but something that we should be keeping track of as time goes on here. I really think the bears are playing this game the right way in their team building, uh, philosophy, at least what we've seen the past couple of years. Uh, they bring in Jordan Howard, they ride him for a couple of years and, and he produces, uh, for them and produces for fantasy players. And then when he, he kind of starts slowing down, they ship him off uh, and, and don't take too much of a loss there. And then they bring in Montgomery, as we already talked about. And I just wonder if this is the same plan with Tariq Cohen and, and Kareth White. Uh, Cohen doesn't feel like necessarily a, a replaceable player. He does a lot of things that uh, that aren't as... Uh, maybe aren't as common as as what we saw from Jordan Howard, but White can do some of those things as well. So uh, to me, he's a stash, a, a deep league, a deep roster stash, but definitely a guy to keep our eye on. A couple interesting UDFA. Here's Dax Raymond, tight end, Utah State. Uh, developmental tight end for sure, but pretty athletic. And maybe if Adam Shaheen doesn't ever get on the field because he can't stay healthy, then Dax Raymond could be a replacement there behind uh, Trey Burton and Emmanuel Hall, wide receiver, Missouri Ryan. I believe that's who you were talking about when we were comparing rookie wide receivers. Yeah, yeah. And I, I kind of alluded to him earlier when I was talking about Stanley Morgan. Hall was the biggest surprise for me of the undrafted guys. I uh, actually thought he would be an early day three player, uh, a big guy, uh, relatively big, 6'1", over 200 pounds, but a, a slot guy and a, a vertical threat. Just really surprised he um, he didn't get drafted. Don't love this landing spot. I'm not sure uh, if that deep threat works well with, uh, with Mitch Trubisky and that offense in general. Dan, you kind of talked about it earlier, how they're – they're they're going to spread the ball around. They don't really care if it's Allen Robinson or uh, Anthony Miller or who it is. They're going to throw to that open guy. So uh, that I think that kind of that limits Hall's upside, as does his uh, UDFA status. Uh, still still a stash for me in deep leagues, though. Yeah, stash probably more of a deep stash for me because of that landing spot and because because he didn't get drafted. Man, I really expected him to get taken as well, but. 
But when he didn't, I, th- I thought maybe if he lands with the right spot, that, that there'd be a the potential for him to be the deep threat, the guy that can get downfield for, for a team that uses the guy in that role. The Bears are not that team, though. They are way more ground and pound and underneath and, and all that stuff and take their shots very sporadically. So I don't know if Hall gets that opportunity, especially early in his career, if he's a stash. Like I said, he's a deep stash. Over to the Detroit Lions, TJ Hawkinson, 1.08, tight end Iowa, 6'5", 251. We want him to be a stud, Dan, uh, but there is some concern that he's going to stay in and block too much. I, I kind of hope, have hope that, that they're going to use him as an offensive weapon. Uh, they'll allow him to, to, to really kind of mask what they're doing with their tight ends since he has that ability to go out and catch the ball too. Uh, he's not Gronk, of course. Maybe he's George Kittle, another fellow Iowa tight end there. Uh, Matt Patricia knows what it's like to have Gronk on the field, so maybe they'll use him. Derek Bevel, there's been some conversation about how he kind of ruined Jimmy Graham a little bit in Seattle, but I think he's had some productive tight ends throughout his career. Visante Shanko, I don't know if you remember that guy, but he turned him into a fantasy star for a year, so I, I have a lot of faith for Hawkinson, and I'm, I'm fine taking him in the middle of the first round. Definitely a cash for me, Dan. Yeah, he's cash for me as well. In fact, I've, I've spent some big bucks in rookie auctions to get him on my teams because I wanted some shares of him and, and have really liked what I've seen with him with the Hawkeyes. It, you know, sometimes with these tight ends, we start watching them block and then read about all these experts out there that love how they block. And then suddenly we're, all, we're talking about them as a blocking tight end, even though they have the tape that shows them as an athletic guy that can get down the seam and make nice catches, particularly in the red zone. And that's exactly what Hawkinson is. Maybe they picked their spots with him. Maybe he is an inline blocker more than dynasty or fantasy players would like. That doesn't necessarily mean that he can't be very productive and, and be that George Kittle type of guy that still makes big plays but is considered a, a quality blocker. Um, and Hawkinson's even a better blocker than Kittle was coming out of college. So I, I think there's... I think there's a little bit of murky water or, or some some uh, some dynasty owners that get too caught up on the the fact that he's a good blocker because that doesn't take away from him as a pass catcher as well. You mentioned you're happy with him in the middle of the first round. I am as a, well. I just seen him the other day go uh, go 11th in a rookie draft, and man, that guy had to be thrilled to get him there. Yeah, I think he's cash as well. I actually got him 16th overall in one of my drafts. I, what? I, I could not believe he fell that far, uh, but obviously was was happy with that result. Um, I don't know, Dan. I think you made a lot of good points there. I, I just it, it made me wonder if maybe Hawkinson was hurt just from a, a, a fantasy player's uh, point of view by playing with Noah Fant, that Fant became known as the better receiver, and, and Fant essentially was a wide receiver uh, and, and probably how he'll be used in the NFL as well for the most part. Uh, so, But because Fant was the receiver, Hawkinson just became known as the blocker. And as you said, that's not really a fair assessment. So, yes, agree. Hawkinson is, is cash. And I, I don't think the Lions have the weapons to, uh, to just – allow Hawkinson to stay in and block all the time They they need some playmakers on this roster uh in the receiving game we saw how they how their passing game struggled Matt Stafford had uh, I think his worst st- statistical year uh in in many years maybe even of his entire career so 
they they didn't draft Hawkinson eight overall to to block. I'm gonna throw these next three guys together. Talk about which one you like. Travis Fulgham, wide receiver, Old Dominion, six two two fifteen in the sixth round. Also in the sixth round, Ty Johnson, running back, Maryland, five ten two oh eight, and Isaac Nata, tight end, Georgia. He's probably not gonna get too much play with obviously with drafting Hawkinson in the first round. Ty Johnson, kind of a speed freak, so adds a little bit of element to that offense that they don't have uh, otherwise in the backfield. But it is crowded back there. Uh, and Fulgham, kind of a, I don't know, I guess he could probably play a big slot position for him just because of the, the wide receiver position there in Detroit behind Galladay and Marvin Jones, not much there. Maybe he can can, can kind of get some playing opportunity just based on that. Uh, but Ty Johnson is the one that I'd be interested in here, but it's still not drafting any of these guys, Dan. Yeah, Johnson's a, a, a real deep stash for those of us that uh, that play in deep leagues and, and are really looking for that guy that could develop into something down the road. He's, he's got a great burst, um, really, really fast. And, and another guy, a lot like, uh, white with the bears that was overlooked probably by a lot of people coming into the draft. And then after afterwards, um, got a little bit more run because because of that speed and that potential to make an impact in that role. So they, they don't necessarily have that really, really impactful fast guy. Yeah, they got a lot of guys on the roster, uh, a lot of running backs there, and on Johnson is obviously their starter, and, and they have the pass catchers there as well, but not the guy with the wheels that this guy has. So there's some potential with Ty Johnson, um, certainly a taxi squad type stash. Well, Theo, Theo Riddick is pretty quick, I think, and, and certainly is the pass catching back there. Uh, but he's also going into the last year of his contract. So uh, Johnson was not really used as much as uh, in the passing game at Maryland. But in the postseason uh, games, I think it was the Shrine game where he, he did kind of show off that uh, the ability to be used as a, as a receiving back. So I think that's probably the best case from the Lions' perspective is that he shows enough this year to to just slide in as that Theo Riddick replacement in 2020. So I, I, he would be my stash pick of these three as well. Uh, UDFA is not much to see here. Monitor the situation, but right now don't really see a whole lot. Uh, Minnesota Vikings move on, moving on. Irv Smith Jr. in the second round, tight end Alabama, 6'2", 242. Uh, just really a fluid athlete. We've had some, you know, not great reports out of camp so far in terms of picking up the offense and things, but he's super young, so I'm not worried. I still like Irv Smith in that second late or mid mid to, mid to late second round range in rookie drafts. Ryan. Uh, Probably not as quite a cash yet, but if Kyle Rudolph moves on, then uh, he could get there, but definitely a stash. Yeah, exactly, and, and we have heard some, some rumors that Rudolph will, uh, will be cut before the season starts. Sounds like he is unwilling to renegotiate his deal, uh, and, and the Vikings sound like they aren't going to pay him the, uh, the 7 or $8 million, whatever it is that he has coming. So uh, Irv Smith could, could pretty quickly move to that cash category, uh, I think he's, he'll get there eventually, uh, even if we have to wait this year. He's he's a guy I'm definitely targeting in the mid-second round. Yeah, a target of mine as well. And, and he's really raw. You know, in Alabama, they, they don't use their tight ends in the traditional sense all the time. Lots of motion and, and lead blocking and things like that. It's a 
pro pro style offense as far as the tight end is concerned but a lot of h back mixed in with that so in minnesota he's gonna have to play a lot more in line at least if he's gonna play that same role that rudolph has over the last few years and and i think he can develop uh he'll continue to develop in that but as dynasty owners we're gonna have to be a little bit more patient with him than maybe uh a lot of us want to be course we're getting him in the second round of rookie draft so that's baked in a little bit another guy i'm targeting as well though and alexander madison in the third round running back boys of state 511 221 a guy who think he's going to be relevant this year perhaps even in redraft leagues uh, we know the story injury history with with dalvin cook uh so whether they use him as a direct replacement to them if he was to get hurt again or just in the latavius murray role i think uh we we, we should maybe be giving madison a little bit more uh of value here in dynasty settings uh, definitely a pick in the third round i'm willing to make maybe even the late second depending on how the board falls so stash for me dan yeah he's a stash and he According to uh, MFL ADP, he is a, the twentieth, twenty fourth pick in rookie drafts. So a guy that's fallen at the end of the second or early in the third, and you know, I don't, I don't know if the if our ADP leading up to the draft really would say so, but it seems like he's moved up draft boards, and and he's a guy that guys are, or at least dynasty owners, are taking more attention to because we all do know about the Delvin Cook situation and how many games he has missed over the last couple of years since he was drafted. So the expectation is that anybody drafted there is going to get some run and get some carries, and and while Madison may not be that ideal every down back, he did play that role, at least to some extent, at Boise State. So um, he's a decisive runner and a guy that can certainly change directions a little bit. Um, I don't, he wasn't a guy I was super excited about going into the draft and Minnesota was one of the landing spots that I I thought was a sneaky, good landing spot. Um, I I guess like many owners, he he's moved up for me in my rankings. I don't think he, I'm quite willing to spend that late second on him to, to be sure to get him though. Yeah, we're on the same page again, Dan. He's he's a player entering the draft. I had some some questions on, and probably would have told you that uh, I would have just avoided him in drafts. Uh, I I don't think we 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 certainly can't ignore him now. And and at the very least, he is uh, he is a stash, and uh, just like Irv Smith, depending on what happens with Dalvin Cook, he's he's a potential cash player. If he were to get a lot of playing time, whether it's because of injury to Cook or uh, just just the running back usage, he's definitely a player I would be looking to sell uh, during the season if if he hits that sell high point. In the seventh round, they took two receivers. The one that's interesting to me is Dylan Mitchell, wide receiver, Oregon. He was Justin Herbert's kind of go-to receiver last year. We know about Justin Herbert's going to be a top quarterback prospect in the 2020 draft. So over 1,100 yards, 75 receptions, 10 touchdowns. So uh, again, just like Detroit, there's not much behind the top two there. So he's interesting. The other guy, Ola B.C. Johnson from Colorado State, more of a possession receiver. I'm not sure there's much there for me. So we'll call uh, Dylan Mitchell a stash. You guys got anything on those two, or should we move on yeah i agree on mitchell super productive last year at oregon as you mentioned and uh, really a thin guy yeah you, you mentioned his his uh, frame his build as well under 200 pounds uh, but he can play inside or out he did that for herbert at oregon so the depth chart there is is really wide open after those those top two superstars so this is this is another uh, opportunity for some immediate playing time even for this seventh rounder uh, but but still 
a, a deep stash at this point. Dan, I, I saved the Packers to the end so we could have maybe a lot of time to talk about them, but we're almost out of time already. So I'll just throw them back to you. Jay Sternberger, 311, uh, uh, tight end from Texas A&M, 64251. You recently paid more for him than uh, Irv Smith Jr. went, so you must like him quite a bit. Must be cash for you. He's cash for me, and, and it might be a wait and see or, or wait at least through his rookie season because Jimmy Graham is there, and tight ends do take a little bit of time to develop. I think Sternberger's going to be one of those guys, but I, I just love the mix of you know killer instinct when the ball's in the air and uh athleticism as a route runner i think he has the chance to develop into one of those guys that can be a sneaky pass catcher and and, you know we've talked about it many times on this on this podcast anybody associated with aaron Rodgers and that offense we we have to take notice i think sternberger is their starter of the future and to get him (coughs) excuse me uh, at the beginning of the third round in rookie drafts, that one's going to pay off. I think I'm probably still more in the stash category with with Sternberger, again, only because of um, the time factor. Definitely a player I'm, I'm excited about and, and trying to roster. Dan, he's kind of like... Uh, kind of like the opposite of, of Benny Snell here. I haven't been able to to pick him up in leagues that we're in together, but uh, I, I've, I've tried to get him elsewhere. Uh, I... I I just still feel like they're going to try to go back one more time to, to Jimmy Graham and, and Jace might have to wait a year, but I think it'll be worth the wait for dynasty owners. Just one, the one concern I have with, with Sternberger is if you look at, at, at LeFleur's offense, you know, they, they tend to like these two way tight ends and there's not really one of those on the roster right now. Sternberger has a lot of work to do in the blocking game. So a little bit concerned about that, that they could bring in another guy, but uh, in terms of the pass catching ability, certainly exciting. Of course, Dexter Williams also in the seventh round. We'll go back to you first, Dan. Uh, maybe if, if Aaron Jones doesn't work out or he gets hurt again or gets suspended again, then, then maybe he's a replacement for him. He's a little bit different than Jamal Williams. I think closer to to what Aaron Jones does so definitely a a fun player but uh, probably not much to see unless something happens to Aaron Jones Mm, I think I think he's gonna turn out to be one of the better late round rookie picks out of this class he's he's my favorite third round pick and he's going at the end of the third round and it's it's really because of a mix of the landing spot which I think is one of the sneaky best landing spots of this draft class Green Bay uh, Aaron Jones, you mentioned the injuries and, and the lack of accountability and, and availability in that Packers backfield. He hasn't finished a season either in his first two seasons. And it seems like every time he creeps up over 15 carries in a game, he gets hurt. He's he's limping off to the sideline. And, and Packers, that front office, I've read multiple times this offseason, that they're concerned about his availability and him being able to stay on the field. So they were looking for another guy to mix in. Dexter Williams isn't just a throwaway seventh-round pick. Dynasty owners should be paying attention to him. He is closer to Jones and and certainly a guy that could make an impact as soon as his first year. I I liked him before he was drafted. I liked him more when he was drafted by the Packers. I didn't expect him to slip past the early third-day portion of the draft, but since he did, I think that's created a buying window for dynasty owners and we can all get a discount. I'm taking it wherever I can get it. I am as well. I agree with everything you said there. It sounds like uh, the Packers have at least some small concerns about Aaron Jones. I do too. Um, I'm really close to calling Dexter Williams cash actually, uh, especially when wow. you factor in his, uh, his ADP 
he's a guy I'm, I'm willing to take uh, around, basically around higher than his what his ADP says. I think he's in that late third, early fourth round range. I'd gladly use an early third rounder on him. Not, not too many exciting UDFAs for the Packers yet. Again, just, just pay attention to training camp. We have about five minutes left, so we're going to run through a really quick mock draft, one-round mock draft just with these two divisions. Dan's got the first pick. I got the second. Ryan's got the third. And we got some better talent than we had the last two weeks. Not as good as the, the West, but at least we got 12 players we feel pretty good about here. So Dan, start us up. Uh, pretty easy first pick overall. I'll take David Montgomery for the Bears. Definitely easy pick there. Number two for me, TJ Hawkinson, also pretty easy. Yeah, I thought this is how that would go. I don't think <laughs> I don't think the third the third pick is quite as easy, uh, but I am going to go with that. Uh, I'm going to go with the draft capital. I'm taking Marquise Brown. Okay, that went exactly as I thought, uh, and I'm glad <laughs> it did because I'll take Justice Hill. I think he's the obvious fourth guy, oh. and I I like him a lot there. Obvious fourth guy. Wow. Okay. I, I will go, man, now I had my four and five are so close, but I will go. I already have the tight end. Even I know we're not drafting the same team. These are different teams are drafting for those people that have that issue. Uh, I will take uh, Deontay, Deontay Johnson, wide receiver Pittsburgh. And I'll take the other guy you were considering there. It sounds like I'll take Irv Smith. Yep. Back to Dan. It's yeah. Six. I, I don't like my options here. Uh, the guys that maybe ADP suggests I should take. So I'm going to go with the guy I really like, and I'll take Jay Sternberger here. I will go back to wide receiver, Miles Boykin, wide receiver, Baltimore, seventh pick. Uh, all right. Um, I'm going to make that homer pick and take Benny Snell. Oh. Well, it was really easy for me here. I'm glad Boykin went in there because uh, it was either Benny Snell or Dexter Williams, so I'll take Dexter Williams over Alexander Madison. Oh, I'll take go ahead and take Madison at nine then. and uh, Or sorry, where am I at? Yeah, eight. Uh, uh, running oh, back. Eleven, close. <laughs> yeah, where am I at? I don't know. I don't know. I got my ninth-ranked player at 11. I'm pretty happy with that. Go ahead, finish this off, Ryan. Um... It's really a, can I just pass? You could take Riley Ridley still on the board. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I, was, I was just hoping Dan, I was assuming Dan would take him. Um, I'm going to take Travion Williams at the 12 spot. And that wraps up for this week's episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We are done with this little exercise. We did cash stash or future trash next week. Dan will have a brand new Amazing episode for us on the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll talk to you guys next week. Dan, we'll go right back to you as the biggest Riley Ridley fan in the Dynasty community. (laughs) I couldn't couldn't even get that out with a straight face. Um...